0: Grace and duty of being spiritually minded by John Owen. A number of things tender to such as complain that they don't know how they are not able to abide in holy thoughts of God, in spiritual or heavenly things. This is for your relief, instruction, and direction. Rules concerning stated spiritual meditation. Some will say, Yeah, and many occasions do say there is not anything in all their duty towards God in which they are more at a loss than they are in this one. Of fixing or exercising their thoughts or meditations on things heavenly or spiritual. They acknowledge it a duty. They see an excellency in it with inexpressible usefulness. But although they often try and attempt it, they cannot attain to anything but what makes them ashamed both of it and themselves. Their minds they find are unsteady, apt to rove and wander or give entertainment to other things, and not to abide on the object which they design their meditation towards. Their abilities are small, their invention barren, their memories, frail, and their judgments to dispose of things into right order, weak and unable. They don't know what to think on, for the most part, when they fix on anything near immediately at a loss as to any progress, and so give over. Hence, other thoughts or thoughts of other things take advantage to impose themselves on them. And what began in spiritual meditation ends in carnal vanity. On these considerations, oftentimes they are discouraged to enter on the duty; oftentimes give it over so soon as it is begun. They are glad if they come off without being losers by their endeavours, which often befalls them. With respect to other duties, it is not so with them to such as are really concerned in these things to whom their lack and defect is a burden who mourn under it and desire to be freed from it or refreshed in their conflict with it i shall offer the things that ensue first that sense of the vanity of our minds which this consideration duly attended to will give us Ought greatly to humble and abase our souls. Why is it so with us that we cannot abide in thoughts and meditations of things spiritual and heavenly? Is it because there are such things as we have no great concern in? It may be there are things worthless and unprofitable, so that it is no purpose to spend our thoughts about them. The truth is, they alone are worthy, useful, and desirable. All other things in comparison of them. Or but loss and dung, or is it because the faculties and powers of our souls were not originally suited to the contemplation of them and delight in them, just also as otherwise, they were all given to us, all created of God for this end, all fitted with inclinations and power to abide with God in all things, without aversion, or weariness, nothing was so natural, easy, and pleasant to them, his steadiness, and the contemplation of God and his works. The cause, therefore, of all this evil lies at our own door. All this, therefore, and all other evils came upon us by the entrance of sin, and therefore Solomon, in his inquiry after all the causes and effects of vanity, brings it under this head. Lo, this only have I found, the God made man upright, that they have sought out. Many inventions, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29, and by this our minds that were created in a state of blessed adherence to God, were wholly turned off from him, and not only so, but filled with enmity against him in this state, that vanity which is prevalent in them is both their sin and their punishment, their sin, and a perpetual inclination to things vain, fully sensual and wicked. So the Apostle describes it at large in Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 19, and Titus 3, verse 3. And their punishment in that, being turned off from their chiefest good, wherein alone rest is to be found, dear filled with darkness, confusion, and disquietment, being like the troubled sea, they cannot rest. Whose water's cast up mire and dirt. By grace our minds are renewed, that is, changed and delivered from this frame. But they are so partially only. The principle of vanity is no longer predominant in us to alienate us from the life of God or to keep us in enmity against Him. Those who are so renewed do not walk in the vanity of their minds as others do. Ephesians 4 verse 17 to go up and down in all their ways and occasions with a stream of vain thoughts in their minds. But the remainders of it are effectually operative in us and all the actings of our minds towards God, affecting them with uncertainty and instability, as he who has received a great wound in any principal part of his body, though it may be so cured as that death shall not immediately ensue thereon, yet it may make him go weak and lame all his days, and hinder him in the exercise of all the powers of life. The vanity of our minds is so cured, is to deliver us from a spiritual death, but yet... Such a wound, such a weakness remains as both weakens and hinders us in all the operations of spiritual life. Hence, those who have made any progress in grace are sensible of their vanity as the greatest burden of their souls, and groan after such a complete renovation of their minds is that in which they may be perfectly freed from it. This is that which they principally regard in that complaining desire of Romans 7 verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Yea, they groan under a sense of it every day, nor is anything such a trouble to them, observing how it defeats them in their designs to contemplate on heavenly things, how it frustrates their best resolutions to abide in the spiritual actings of faith and love, how they are imposed on by it with thoughts of things which either in themselves or in their consequences they most abhor. Nothing are they so afraid of. Nothing is so grievous and burdensome to them. Nothing do they more groan for deliverance from. When there is war in any place, it behooves them that are concerned to have an eye in regard to all their enemies and their attempts against them. But if they are vigilant and diligent in their opposition to those that are without that visibly contend with them, and in the meantime neglect, such as traitorously act within among themselves, betraying their counsels and weakening their strength, they will undoubtedly be ruined. Wise men do first take care of what is within. As knowing if they are there betrayed, all they do against their open enemies is to no purpose. In the warfare in which we are engaged, we have enemies of all sorts that openly and visibly in various temptations fight against our souls. These it is our duty to watch against, to conflict with, and to seek a conquest over. But it is this internal vanity of mind that endeavors in all things to betray us, to weaken us in all our graces, or to hinder their due operation, and to open the doors of our hearts to our cursed enemies. If her principal endeavor be not to discover, suppress, and destroy this traitor, We shall not succeed in all our spiritual warfare. This, therefore, being the original cause of all that disability of mind, is to steadiness in holy thoughts and meditations, in which you complain, when you are affected with them, turn to the consideration of that from whence it proceeds. Labor, to be humbled greatly, and to walk humbly under a sense of the remainders of this vanity of mind, So some wholesome fruit may be taken from this bitter root, and meat may come out of this eater. If when you cannot abide in holy thoughts of God in your relation to Him, you reflect on the cause of it to your further humiliation and self-abasement, your good design and purpose are not lost. Let such an one say, I began to think of God, of His love and grace in Christ Jesus, of my duty towards him, and where now in a few minutes do I find myself? I'm God to the ends of the earth, in the things useless and earthly. Or I'm at such a loss as that I have no mind to proceed in the work in which I was engaged. A wretched man that I am, what a cursed enemy have I within me. I'm ashamed of myself, weary of myself, I loathe myself. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Such thoughts may be as useful to him as those which he first designed. True it is. We can never be freed absolutely from all the effects of this vanity and instability of mind in this world. Unchangeable cleaving to God always. In all the powers and affections of our minds is reserved for heaven. But yet great degrees may be attained in the conquest and expulsion of it such as I fear few have experienced of, yet ought all to labor after. If we apply ourselves as we ought, to he increase his spiritual light and grace? If we labor diligently to abide and abound in thoughts of spiritual things, and that in love to them and delight in them, if we watch against the entertainment and approval of such thoughts and things in our minds as that in which this vain frame is pleased and confirmed, there is, though not an absolute perfection, yet a blessed degree of heavenly-mindedness to be obtained, and therein the nearest approach to glory that in this world we are capable of. If a man cannot attain an athletic constitution of health or a strength like that of Samson, yet, if he be wise, he will not omit the use of such means as may make him to be useful in the ordinary duties of life. And although we cannot attain perfection in this manner, which yet it is our duty to be continually pressing after. Yet, if we are wise, we will be endeavoring such a cure of this spiritual distemper, as that we may be able to discharge all the duties of the life of God. But if men and all other things feed the vanity of their own minds, if they permit them to rove continually after things foolish, sensual, and earthly, if they willfully supply them with objects to that end, and labor not by all means for the mortification of this evil frame. In vain shall they desire or expect to bring them at any time, on any occasion, to be steady in the thoughts of heavenly things. If it be thoughts with any, as it is to be feared it is with many, it is their duty to mind the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the first place. Make the tree good, and the fruit will be good, and not before. When the power of sanctifying grace has made the mind habitually spiritual and heavenly, thoughts of such things will be natural to it and accompanied with delight. But they will not be so until the God of peace has sanctified us in our whole spirit, souls, and bodies, in which we may be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, be always sensible of your own insufficiency to raise in your minds or to many spiritual thoughts or thoughts of things spiritual and heavenly in a due manner. But in this case, men are apt to suppose that as they may so they can think of what they please. Thoughts are their own, and therefore they be of what sort they will. They need no assistance for them. They cannot think as they ought. They can do nothing at all, and nothing will convince them of their folly until they are burdened with an experience of the contrary. As two spiritual things, but the advice given is expressly laid down by the apostle in the instance of himself in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient for ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. He speaks principally of ministers of the gospel, and that of such as were most eminently furnished with spiritual gifts and graces, as he declares in verse 6. And if it be so with them and that was with respect to the working duties of their calling. How much more is it so with others, of not their graces nor their office, therefore of men without regard to the present actual grace of God and the supplies of his spirit. Suppose that they can of themselves exercise their minds and spiritual thoughts and so only fret at themselves when they fall into disappointment, not knowing what is the matter with them. They will live in a lifeless, barren frame all their days. By the strength of their natural abilities, men may frame thoughts of God and heavenly things in their minds according to the knowledge they have of them. They may methodize them by rules of art, and express them elegantly to others, but even while they do so, they may be far enough from being spiritually minded, for there may be in their thoughts no actings of faith, love, or holy delight in God, or any grace at all. But such alone are the things which we inquire after. such is only as wherein in the graces of the spirit are in their proper exercise with respect to them. We have no sufficiency in ourselves. All our sufficiency must be of God. There is no truth among persons of light and knowledge more generally granted in the notion of it than this. That of ourselves we can do nothing, and none more neglected in daily practice. Men profess they can do nothing of themselves, and yet go about their duties as if they could do all things.